1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, verses 9 through 11. Paul here writing, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. And so as Pastor David um, launched this series off, he started with a sermon entitled um, Grace to Be. And it really kind of focuses in on that first verse that we read from verse 9, and where Paul says, from the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. In the first half of, or the very first section of, of verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. One of the things that he really wellly communicated with us is that we all can acknowledge that through salvation, we've received mercy from God, meaning that we did not receive what we rightfully deserve to receive. But God added something extra to that. And so he called it grace. And grace is the transformative power to become and be made more and more like Jesus. And this very power is the power that transformed Paul from one that persecuted the church, who looked to destroy the church, where all of his theology, everything that he had learned, taught him, had got him to a place where he felt that he needed to destroy this upstart movement called Christians or Christianity. And, 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 and Paul recognized very quickly, it's not because of what I did. I don't deserve to be an apostle. But it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And so the challenge to us was, are we moving on from just the mercy, but are we accepting the grace to become more, become more of what God would have you to be, who he would have you to be? And I love um, the title for this sermon, um, The Grace to Serve. Because I think it, it kind of helps us to further dig into this idea of the grace to be. Um, well, as we... Uh, continue to, to look at um, this passage, one of the things that we can notice is that Paul begins to really reflect. I think something happened as he said, man, I'm the least of these apostles. I, in fact, I don't even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. For the grace that was given to me was not ineffective. It wasn't in vain. It was powerful. Paul reflecting on his mindset and where he was. I mean, maybe some of us who are called Christ as Lord and King of our lives, maybe you've run into an old friend from high school, or maybe you've seen a situation in a movie that triggered a memory, and you can think, man, I can't, I can't believe I used to think like that. I used to actually think that living that style of life was actually something good. And so as we are looking at this um, particular passage here in verse 10, and that phrase that the grace that was given to me was not without effect. I think there's a few points that we can pull out of that portion. And then as we continue on in verse 10 and 11, um, there are three points basically um, that, I, that I would like for us to cover this um, afternoon or this morning, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> packed grace. Um, there is something about this package of grace that allows us to become who God wants us to be. But frequently, like a package, like a gift, 
from uh, a, a, a birthday or maybe like, for, for example, when, when we had our child, we had some, uh, a baby shower before we had our child. Um, my wife and I, we had um, our fourth and final child, <laughs> January 1st <laughs> of this year. <laughs> and one of the coolest things was some of her colleagues at her job, they, they got her a big package of gifts. So a lot of her um, fellow employees, they all just kind of dumped a lot of gifts in there. And that was really cool. And so we had one um, little girl pulling the gifts out. And she pulled out one. And we were like, yeah, you know, and if you've ever been to a baby shower, they write down who and, and what it was. And then she said, but wait, there's more. And then she pulled out another one. And wait, wait, there's still more. And she kept pulling gifts out of this bag. Grace is similar to that. It has been packaged with a lot more than maybe what we have taken from it. And so we're going to unpack that, packed grace, the packaging of grace. Um, second, the second point that I would like for us to cover um, is the proletariat, um, wait, no, proletariat work ethic. Proletariat work ethic. What does that mean? I will get to that. I will let you know exactly what that means. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then my final point that I'd like to cover is partnering with grace. And we will get that from verse 11. Um, so let's start with packed grace. There are several different ways that Paul describes salvation. And I think it's really important for us to understand that because I think as we look at this package of grace, what we typically have done, what many Christians have done, is we just kind of grabbed out of the bag of grace just one aspect of what salvation is. And then we've kind of taken on the endeavor of trying to walk out a lifestyle for Christ in our own strength. So that first description is what theologians have termed um, justification. And that can be found in Ephesians 2. You look at verses 5 through 8. Basically, Paul here writing to the church of Ephesus, he's describing the freedom from the penalty of sin. When we accepted Christ, when we came into the faith, when we got right, however we want to describe it, there was a, a, a freedom from the penalty that we rightfully deserved. And so many of us look at salvation, we look at our redemption, and that's kind of the conclusion that we've come to. I've been freed from sin. So now I have to figure out how to live for God. How do I go about this process of honoring him because he saved me? And we can grab on to the emotional aspect of that, and we think about the sacrifices that he made, and we can try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try to walk that out and try to live out what the implications of what that means. And so we find ourselves kind of frustrated because we can't actually do it. There, there, there's something about this life, there's something about who I am that has made this too difficult, but this is what I'm supposed to do is, is kind of the mindset. And so what I think Paul here, as he is saying that grace was not ineffective, in essence what he's saying is that, man, there is more power to become more, to become who God wants us to be, who God wants you to be, who God wanted me to be. See, he's writing to a church that he, he had planted. And so he wanted them to know, like, we have a tendency to look at people in leadership as if they're something special, like they're an anomaly, and that somehow Pastor David, he never sins, he, he has it easy, he just 
gets up in the morning, he communes with God, and God just cracks open the ceiling to his house and just pours right into his room as if it's just that easy, if there's something special. But Paul wanted his people to know that, no, that's not it. There's an effective grace that God has placed on my life that I walk in, this transformative power that has been made available to all of us so that I could become all that he wanted me to be. And so there's a second way, and and there's three different ways, but I just want to cover two. There's justification, and then there's sanctification. And some of us have heard that word, and we're like, whoa, that's a pretty tough word because that means I got to do a lot of changing. But what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, in, within that package of glory, there's a power in being saved. That there's a changing mechanism within it, within that transformative power to make us more and more like Christ. We don't have to kind of... La- uh, uh, linger in, in, in the type of behavior that we've had in the past. We don't have to continue to try to do things in our own strength, try to force ourselves through the force of our will to change our behavior. Paul says that there's a power of God that will sanctify us in being saved. There's a package, a part of the package, if we would continue to dig into the bag of grace, that there's a power there to become more and more like God. And in that sanctification process, we find a few other things. We will find what our calling is, who you are called to be. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. Recognizing what grace is, recognizing that it's a sanctification process should cause us to kind of continue to sit at the feet of the king. And when we do that, we actually find that he has called us to live a certain kind of lifestyle. See, before knowing Christ, we may have picked those things from watching television. Maybe as a kid like me, you wanted to be a great basketball player or be great at playing video games. I don't know. That's, that was me. Maybe there have been dreams that you have because of an uncle or a grandfather. Maybe there have been great world leaders. Maybe there's a cause that you've seen and that, that you have an emotional tie to that you want to see change there. And it's not that it's a bad thing, but is that what you've been called to do? See, grace gives us the privilege of understanding what did God have in mind when he saved you. Grace helps us to understand what that call is that he has placed on your life so that he can be pleased with all of the work that you do, what you are called to be. God wants you to understand that you have been called to be a part of a royal priesthood, that you've been called to be a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. Why is he calling you to be that? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He wants us to collectively understand that he's called us above to be something kind of cut apart from what the regular society would say, what it would want to attribute to you. He wants you to understand that he has called us to something much greater than that, something more along his lineage, 
more identified with the king of kings than being something more subjected to an earthly image. It's in this grace package that we find that calling. And as he is sanctifying us and helping us to get a better understanding of who he has called us to be, we also find that we have purpose, what you are called to do. We, we, we begin to understand who we are, but what is it that you're supposed to do? Grace helps us to understand that. Grace helped Paul to understand that he wasn't so first and foremost to be identified as a Pharisee, but that he was actually a child of God. And it gave him purpose because he was going to carry out something totally different than what he was doing as a Pharisee. Though he had a, a zealous heart for God, even as a Pharisee, it was perverted, it was wrong. But he still felt that he had a right view of God in, in trying to please God. And so this kind of switched and turned his whole life around and he found new purpose. And so he says, Paul himself in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Paul began to marvel at what God was calling him to do, the, the purpose that he had given to him. And he recognized that what God had asked him to do, to be a, an apostle to the Gentiles, to go and take the word to a people that, as far as the Jews were concerned, were, were shut off from, from the truth of God. We were shut off from the, the promises of the covenant. That as he began to understand what God had purposed him to do, it literally blew his mind that God would allow him to be a part of something like that. With that understanding here in Ephesians, we find him praying for those that are in Ephesus and a prayer that we can even kind of apply to our own lives, that we can begin to understand the hope of the calling that God has placed on us. See, the thing is, is that we tend to think really low of ourselves but God wants to bring you higher. And I'm not telling you that you need to think greater of yourself than, than your neighbor or something being arrogant or anything along those lines. But what God wants to accomplish through your life can blow your mind. If we keep him in a box, well, I just, I just want to be able, God, to, to buy a house one day and, and have a couple of cars. And I just want a nice life, you know, have enough money to take care of all my bills. But why not? Why can't you be the one that God wants to use to bring cure to some disease? Why couldn't it be you who helps lead a transformation within the community that you live, live in? Because revival breaks out as you are going about sharing your faith. Why not be one that God uses or allows you to be a part of a team that, that does something miraculous, something just so much bigger than what you could ever believe? Why couldn't that be you? Because God's purposes are big enough where they are God-sized. We want to keep them manageable to a space where, you know, I can handle that. You know, my five-year plan in place, if I get the right degrees and if the right doors are open up, I can accomplish these purposes that I've made for myself. 
But God wants to put you in an uncomfortable place where you actually have to trust him to be able to accomplish all that he has for you. So in this package of grace, we find that we will find out what our purpose is. And we don't define our purpose. We have to trust him for what that purpose is. And that purpose is much larger than who we are. In this package of grace, we'll also find that he has equipped us with power. That accompanying ability to get the job done. Acts 1, um, chapter 8, here um, Luke, as he's writing, he's kind of describing what's going on. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria into the end of the earth. See, Paul understood when he said that this grace wasn't ineffective. He was in essence saying that, man, the things that have been accomplished as God has given me my purpose and he's endowed me with power by allowing his precious Holy Spirit to come and dwell with me. I've seen people saved. I've gone to various communities all through the known world at that time. And I've seen churches rise. I've seen God bring healing to people. I've laid hands on the sick and they've recovered. God has given me the power to get the job done. When we hold on to our own purpose, when we, when we define our own calling, we don't look for a power. Maybe we look for a power from God, but we don't receive the type of power that God wants to give because you're not on mission for him. Which is to make him known much better, much greater. To let people know about his excellencies. So there's a power that God endows us with in this transformative thing that we call grace. That if we look at this package, if we don't just limit it to salvation to my sins have been forgiven. But as we look at what the package is, as we continue to seek God for better and better understanding of what this power is. What is Paul talking about when he says that it wasn't ineffective? we'll find that God wants to give you power to get his purposes accomplished. And finally, in this package, he also, from Philippians 1 and 6, we get the idea that, that um, what Paul is writing is, and he says, let me just read it. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the, end, at the day of Jesus Christ. He gives you a completing, an ability to complete the work. Not just to start something, not to, to build a house, but not put the roof on. And so you, whenever it rains, you got to go hang out at a friend's house because it's going to get on you. No, he gives you the ability to complete the work. He gives you the endurance that it may take. When we partner with grace, when we look into this package of grace that God has made available to us, there's so much more. Too often, many of us are doing this life by ourselves. I mean, we come to church, and we want to have a relationship with God. And so we let him know that we love him, and, and we believe he loves us. But during the week, we're over here, and we're wrestling, and we're fighting with, with the various issues and the obstacles that come our way, all along leaving God compartmentalized into this box over here that has more to do with morality than anything. But God is, wants to be a part of every area of your life. 
And so he didn't leave us as orphans to be able to do life on our own and and try to figure out how to live by the law again. He didn't do that. He didn't just give us the Ten Commandments and say, you know what, you guys handle that. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. He's given us this package of grace that should allow us to thrive in life. And when I say thrive, I'm not talking about necessarily milk, um, um, material um, wealth or um, the, the ability to gather many materials, not to say that that can't happen. But when I'm saying thrive in life is that you're walking with the fruits of the Spirit that are on display for the world to see. And that in any, that in any and every situation, that God can come and lay bare on it. And as I look at my brother and I see that, that the pain that he may be going through, that I don't have nothing for him, but because I'm in place with God, I can minister to him in his situation. That when life seems to be smacking me around, I can call up someone else in the family because God's grace has allowed me to be a part of something more than just myself. This royal priesthood, this holy nation that he's allowed me to be a part of, that his grace, his power to transform me can come from other sources. That it's not just in me. Unfortunately, we live at times like the world does and we don't have hope. So we may turn to the bottle. We may turn to having promiscuous relationships because too often we're empty of what God wants to fill us up. This package of grace that should be filling us up, helping us to to make it and maneuver through life. We live void of it, though it's been made available to us. So we have to take another look at this package of grace. And we have to see what Paul means when he says, this grace that was given to me was not ineffective. Too often our excuse is, you know, I'm just not like them. It's harder for me. But this grace is more powerful than that. Don't be deceived. Don't let the enemy take this from us. It has been made available to each and every one of us. There's not a hierarchy in that sense that God has grace for some but not for others. For those of us that are a part of the family of Christ, we have been given this package of grace and we can pull from the resources and thrive in life with Christ by our side. Amen? Amen. Secondly, how do I say that again? Proletariat. Proletariat work ethic. Proletariat um, has to do with kind of the type of mentality that someone as a wage worker would have in terms of their need, their, their ability to get the job done. Um, I was in the military, and um, I remember um, I was in the Air Force for a short stint, and I remember when I was at um, uh, officer field training, and we had some tech sergeants. And so if you guys aren't familiar, in the Air Force, you have kind of like two different uh, kind of uh, tracks of leadership. So you have the enlisted side, and then you have like the officer side. The officers are the ones that pretty much kind of set the tempo. They, they kind of cast the vision. The enlisted side is more like the, the working class. They get the job done. Um, and so if anybody here is, is a, a veteran or you serve, thank you for your service, by the way. Um, 
And so in tech school, excuse me, in, in um, officer field training, I recall there was a time where some of the tech sergeants who were on the enlisted side, they would come to train us. And in the training, we probably had to march a lot. We were doing a lot of push-ups, and, you know, they were just running us ragged. Well, if you said, yes, sir, to someone, the tech sergeant would say, don't call me, sir. Call me tech sergeant because I work for a living. I work for a living is what he would say. The implication being that as officers, as one who had the loftier positions, the ones that made the decision, you know, they're behind some desk pushing a pencil. But I'm out here, I'm doing the grunt work. I'm out here digging the ditches. I'm out here firing the shots during war. That's the same kind of idea here, I believe, that we can take from proletariat work ethic. That we're not the ones who are just trying to get the job done um, just from a sense, kind of like an intellectual level. But with everything in me, I need to get this job done because there's something that's on the line. I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to, 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 to um, get, get um, accomplish what I see in front of me with the, the type of urgency and the type of fervency that would be required of one who has to actually work with their hands. Not to say you don't work hard if it's more of kind of from a managerial standpoint or you're behind a desk by any stretch. We, we understand that that can be tough work at times. And so as we look at the second part or the third part, I should say, of verse 10, where Paul says, um, just reading verse 10 again, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, this, this, this portion here, and his grace toward me did not prove um, vain, excuse me, this part, <laughs> but I labored even more than all of them. There's another version that says um, the, the, the grace of God towards me was not in vain. No, I worked harder than all of them. Paul here, similar to a situation that we find in Luke 7. In Luke 7, around verse 36 through 51, I believe it is, um, you find the story of Jesus being invited to a Pharisee's house, a guy named Simon. And Simon um, led to men, but then there's something that happens. A woman comes in, and she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. She uses her hair to dry it off. She anoints him with expensive oils. And there's something that Jesus says to Simon that I think kind of speaks to the type of work ethic that, that Paul had. And it speaks to the why. Verse 41, excuse me, verse 40 of Luke 7 says, And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Right before this, Simon, he's kind of complaining in his mind, doesn't doesn't, if this guy was a prophet, he would know she's a sinner. That was his kind of response to what he was seeing. And so here Jesus responding to what he was thinking. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has ceased not to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Paul's work ethic was birthed out of this idea that he knew he had been given, forgiven much. I'm not, I don't deserve to be an apostle, he says in 1 Corinthians 9. Not only am I not, I'm the least of the apostles, I don't even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church. So the work ethic that he had after understanding the package, after receiving this power, this transformative power by God to, to give him salvation, to understanding the sanctification was a part of that, to, to, to begin to hear his calling, find his purpose, being given power. He took it. And he ran with it. And he worked. He put forth the effort of what he could do. If you study some of the books that, that he, he penned, or as you look in Acts and you begin to understand um, some of the things that he was accomplished, Paul was a man who leveraged his life for the proclamation of the gospel. In every area. If he's in prison, he's praying and praising God and, and, and cuffs fall off of people. And he's like, whoa, whoa, we're not going to leave. Don't kill yourself, jailer. <laughs> but you need to get right with Jesus. I talked last week about from Acts 26. He stands before Festus and King Agrippa, and he uses that as an opportunity. He leverages his life to, to, to share the gospel once again, to, to let the excellencies of our king be made known to those that were in the room with him. He was beaten. There's stories of him being stoned and saying, shaking the dust off and saying, let's go back in there, man. We got to go, go back into the city and share some more of this faith. He leveraged his life because he had an understanding. He had a glimpse of how bad he really was and how good God's grace had been towards him. See, and looking at a grace to serve and finding this package, we too need to be able to remember that we did not deserve Christ. That we actually were just as bad, deserving of hell. That not like the Pharisee who thought he was good enough, and so he was really casual with Jesus. More like this woman should be our disposition should be our heart to live out this life for him, to, to capture this power, this transformative power called grace, and to use it to motivate us each and every day to put forth work on behalf of our Lord. We should take this same type of disposition that, that, that Paul had in terms of getting the work done that God has placed in front of you. And he also recognized that his work would be better fitted. He would have more accomplished when it was by grace. He says, no, I, I worked harder than all of them. Talking about the work that he had accomplished and what he was able to do as an apostle in comparison even to some of the other apostles. But he says, yet not, it was not I, but it was the grace of God. See, Paul was really accustomed to this idea. Like, he understood how bad he was. He, he like I would like to say, he had a transformation of his operating system. See, some of us have had kind of our operating system. We call it 1.0. We got saved. Now we're 1.1 or 
Paul went from being in, with Apple to being an Android operating system. He changed his operating system altogether. And I, I just had to go with the better one. I, I mean, I don't know. Android, Android one is the better one. <laughs> Thank you, Elder. <laughs> so he, 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 he switched systems. He didn't just get the new iPhone. He got a wholly different type of phone. He went from being Saul, who had a tremendous work ethic, was going past all the other Pharisees, running hard in the wrong direction, not getting much accomplished, because as he persecuted the church, he thought he was doing God's work, but he wasn't effective. But here comes Paul, the Android version. <laughs> now he's going out. Out of the 27 books in the New Testament, he wrote 13 of them. Planted churches, went on various missionary trips. It wasn't that he felt that he was better than any of the other apostles. Partnering with grace allowed him to do much more than he could ever have imagined. And so partnering with grace and with the work ethic that he had put forth, he was able to accomplish much in his life. Really, it wasn't him. It was the grace of God to accomplish God-sized work in this human-sized life. And finally, if I can get back to my notes. Finally, partnering with grace. Paul said that whether it was I or it was them, this is what we preached and this is what you believed. He's talking to this church at Corinth and he had kind of gone back through how the gospel got to them. He wanted to put their focus back on what what the deal is. Man, we have been entrusted with the gospel. It's a tremendous privilege to be entrusted with this gospel. This power to see our communities changed. This power to see family members' lives changed. This power to have an exceedingly great reward in our Lord and Savior. We've been entrusted with the gospel to do great work. So the ball is in our court. Are we going to partner with this grace that God has given to us, with this package? Are we going to partner with it? Jesus, in Mark 16, 17 and 18, he says, These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In other words, all of the supernatural power that you need to face the opposition that stands before you will be provided. He's going to be there. He is going to make sure that this package of grace is fully opened up to you so that you can accomplish all that he has purposed you to do. That you're not in this thing alone. You don't have to try to figure out every single step of what I need to do. That he will provide you with the wisdom that's necessary. 
He will give you a new prayer language so that you can pray perfect prayers. He will equip you to deal with the, the strikes of the enemy, the, 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 the traps that he may lay for you. He will allow you to go through this, this thing we call life and not be hurt by it if you will partner with his grace. And in doing that, in partnering with grace, we need to work in such a way that the fruit of our labor points to God. As I said earlier, Paul leveraged his life in such a way so that everyone could see how great God was. That's kind of the disposition that we need to have when, need to have when we go on our job sites, when we go to our classrooms. How, God, can you use these moments to bring glory to yourself? And waiting on the wisdom for that is a part of that, that process of, 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 of walking out um, this partnership with grace. And then also, it's incumbent upon us not to kind of do this thing alone, not to, to serve um, God a cappella. Like, we need to have some accompaniment. We don't need to do this thing by ourselves. Situations that come, and the enemy would love to kind of get you on the island so he can tell you how much God doesn't care about you, so he could tell you how alone you really are in this thing. He wants to kind of seclude you off so that he can be the one to speak into your life. But God didn't want that for us, and so he's given us community. He's given us community that in our small groups, we can, we can discuss life issues. We can discuss what's going on. We can figure out ways of how to apply the lesson to our end-time situations. And that collectively as a group, we can become victorious. We can pray for one another, strengthen each other to go back on the battlefield and to bring back home victory. We don't have to do it alone. In fact, God doesn't want us to do it alone. He, want, he wants us to partner with grace, and he wants us to, in that grace, partner together as a community of believers. So that's it. That's, that's what I have for you today. In this idea of partnering with God, we need to understand that there is a grace to serve him. There is a grace that has been packaged with many, many aspects, many um, nuances to to, to the, the type of transformative power that he has made available to us. Too often we have made the decision to try to do Christianity on our own. Well, I know I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to do that. I'll be nice to this person. I'll be nice to that person. And we've tried to do it in our own strength. And we're getting frustrated because we're falling short of what we want to accomplish. But God is saying, no, you don't have to do that. Take this package of grace. Put forth the type of work ethic that would be necessary to show that you are appreciative of all that I've done for you. We will partner together with this grace to accomplish things where your fruit will remain for generations to be seen. And most importantly, you will find that, I will, that God will say, I'm well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Are we on the same page? Amen. Amen. Um, let's pray.